even if you have a full-time role right now, it is so important. I would even say urgent for every single person to reimagine themselves, their career as if they were their own brand. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today is going to speak about something that we may have considered to do, maybe held back by fear, maybe things holding us back. Maybe it's something we've just been wanting to have that leap of faith be done and needing to know what does it take to make it happen. Melissa Lorena is going to be here to talk about making a bold career transition. What does that look like and what can we do about it? Now, to know more about Melissa, know that she's a CEO and founder of Career Outcomes Matter. She teaches middle managers and up to aspiring C-suite executives how to dissect and deliver the perfect job interview. She's been featured in Forbes, Money Magazine, Huffington Post, Financial Times, CNBC, and Fox Business. She has actually went ahead and created a method, a three-step method called Sellable Strength Method, which we're going to dig a little more into it. And she has brought insights with having a chance to work in over 16 different business units, including HR, and this is in countries and cities around the world, such as New York, Sydney, Paris, London, and more. She had clients such as Procter & Gamble's, IBM, Ogilvy, and Mather, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. She also hosts an amazing podcast, and we're going to be talking more about this. Melissa, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason, for that awesome, awesome intro. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. Now, we wanted to focus on something called, you know, making a bold career transition. Now, I'd be curious to know, 2020 came in, had a lot of shifts happening in a lot of people's lives. What have you felt the ecosystem has looked like? Are people, you know, looking to change career more? Are we finding ourselves holding on to what we already have? What's going on? Yeah, I think it's an amazing time right now in terms of this idea of pivoting and this need to really do things differently. I think a lot of people have felt that the rug has been pulled out from underneath them. You know, what was the norm in the past, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, is no longer. And I think a lot of individuals have an amazing and incredible opportunity right now to actually reimagine what is possible by way of their career. There are so many different untapped ideas out there pertaining to how you can continue to express yourself creativity in terms of that, in terms of, you know, your business acumen, in terms of people leadership, the opportunity is really endless or limitless. And I would say that the pandemic has helped everyone rethink what is possible. So there's several individuals who have a really tight grip on what they had. And to be honest, they're starting to let go of that tight grip because, because of need, because of necessity. And for those individuals, it's been a particularly scary time. And so I really love supporting those people who are looking to make that pivot or that transition into a new space, but might not know where to begin or like what's possible for them because they may have never had the idea that they could change or what was possible as far as options that today do exist. Well, I mean, with a lot of the lockdowns that have happened, I guess a lot of us have realized that we have a more global connected ecosystem when it comes to work. We can do it from home. We can do it from various locations as well. And so are we able to access more types of employments with different companies knowing that remote work is now so much more ingrained within our lifestyle? 
Absolutely. I would say, you know, a lot of the different tools are the same as far as networking, as far as selling yourself, right? Pitching yourself effectively in a way that resonates with the person on the other side. So a lot of the different strategies, they continue to be the same in terms of the landscape and the different opportunities that exist. Of course, we had, even before the pandemic, the gig economy, this was already up and running. You have all these different platforms like Upwork, as an example, Fiverr, et cetera, where you can just easily access talented individuals, even people who had full-time day jobs and have these like side hustles available to them. So this was always possible. However, it became like a nice to have. Now with the pandemic, now with the shift in the way that we communicate and also the shift in thinking around human resources as far as, you know, whether we need a full-time employee or we can just outsource someone or get a freelancer or do a project, now it's more of a necessity. So we went from a nice to have, you know, this could be a side hustle to, oh my goodness, this is a need to have. Plus it's become a personal branding opportunity as well. So just the same, even if you have a full-time role right now, it is so important. I would even say urgent for every single person to reimagine themselves, their career as if they were their own brand. And even if they have not been furloughed, let go, or feel at risk for being fired, even if they're not in that scenario, for you to be very proactive, play offense, and really think to yourself, how can I position myself in a way where I feel powerful? I don't feel vulnerable to being let go or vulnerable if there's a you know leader that wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. You don't want to feel that way. You don't want to feel like someone has that much control over your happiness a lot of times and over your identity. And that's a big part of this identity, working for an organization, being that employee of, as an example, JP Morgan Chase or Ogilvy and Mather, Procter and Gamble, that identity tends to be a sticking point for a lot of people and difficult to let go or reimagine if you haven't begun your journey of building your personal brand, which is also mm. said professional brand. Well, you know, this, this hits home. I mean, I know for me, when I made the transition from being a full-time employee at Mind Valley to being on my own, and now I work as a host and an author for them, which means that I've been having to let go of that identity. And like you said, for me, it was like, oh, I get to be that Mind Valley guy, which came with a lot of perks, like a quick introduction and some fun, you know, fun conversation topics. And it was easy to explain to people what did I do for a living. Now, when you let go of being able to let go of that identity and you want to make career transition, I notice here with you didn't just say making a career transition, you talk about making a bold career transition. What does that boldness look like? Like, what does it look like if I embody a boldness in making that transition? I love that question. So for me, and I'm sure a lot of individuals, you know, annual basis, I think about the words that I would like to really reflect upon over the course of the year. So for me, my phrases or my two words that really kind of embody the way that I'm thinking about this year include bold, 
bold and creative. So anything that I do, I really want to pass it through that filter. So what does bold mean very specifically? So a bold career transition is whatever feels outside of your comfort zone. So I'm not the judge of what is bold to someone that is in Mumbai, someone that is in Canada, someone that is in, you know, Sarasota, Florida. I'm not in charge of telling you whether something is bold or not. But for you, you have to kind of gauge, like, is this within my comfort zone or is this outside of my comfort zone? And that could mean something different to every single person. For example, one of my clients right now, you know, something that would feel bold is basically going from working for a nonprofit to working for a for-profit. That feels bold because it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of quantifying, you know, key performance indicators. It's a different way of selling yourself. So it feels bold. It's out of her comfort zone. Whereas for someone else, it might feel like, okay, it's just, you know, the same thing, but different words, not so bold. So that's not the bold there. So if there's anything that feels like there's some resistance to achieve it because you feel like, oh, this is a little too different than what I'm used to, that in there is enough for it to qualify as bold. The reason why bold is important to me and why I encourage people to think about life in that way way goes back to the notion of courage. So for example, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's like a muscle, right? So (laughs) the more we exercise in that area that is outside of our comfort zone and really seek things that we might feel are outside of our comfort zone, the more we grow as human beings and we become these superhumans, right? So it's really about making sure that you're putting yourself in a position where you feel as a professional that you're growing. So an example, bold career transition could be, I've always been an independent contributor. I've never had direct reports under me. And now I want to have, you know, someone that's on my team. I want to be a people leader. And so that that could be bold, right? So it's really like taking that belief that you might feel other people need to have about your skills and talents and taking ownership. So it's that self-belief that, you know what, I may have never done this thing, but I'm going to go and boldly try to do it. I'm going to have the audacity to actually take that first step and to be sure that I am serving up my best self. I am that superhuman and I'm proven. I love that. And I also love like you're not saying here because some people might make the assumption like, oh, making a bold career transition. I'm just going to walk in the office on Monday and say, I quit. That's boldness. But that doesn't sound like exactly what you're speaking about. You're talking about really nurturing and stepping into things that could be more aligned to developing the skills you want. And can this be done within the same organization? Or are you always trying to seek to find these skills outside? So I love that question because the thing is this, as far as working within a certain organization, what happens is that there's a lot of perception management. So oftentimes it's difficult to change someone's perception of you versus like start from scratch. So if you're in an organization, can you be more bold? 100%. And here's how. It's understanding the baseline. What is your existing reputation? Are you known for that particular skill? Are you completely not known for that skill? Is that one of your areas of opportunity? 
identity. So being honest with yourself as far as where you stand pertaining to how you intend to be bold, for example, asking for that raise, saying that you quit or asking for a lateral move or a global relocation, you know, doing all these things might feel outside of your comfort zone, but understanding where everyone perceives your level of courageousness and bravery is the starting point right there. Just get a good sense. Like how do people perceive you? How do people perceive your talents? And then how can you begin to be bolder in your day to day? And how can you also prepare your manager in terms of, you know, being ready to see you behave boldly? You don't want to just one day act like a completely different person because this people leader, they have certain expectations pertaining to the way that you've interfaced with them, interfaced with other functional partners, et cetera. So just have that open conversation with them and tell them, hey, I am right now looking to be more courageous when it comes to stepping into bigger projects, doing other things, having more visibility with senior leaders. So just get them ready for it and then seek their guidance and really just live up to that more bold you. But I would say internally in an organization, 100%. And someone that I interviewed on my podcast, an interview with Melissa Larina, was the former CMO of GE, Beth Comstock. And for herself, just to let you guys know, the way that she decided to be more courageous, because she's actually an introvert, but she had to behave in a more ambivert sort of fashion, or extrovert, depending how you want to think about it, was she would just give herself little mini dares, right? So she would write a little piece of paper and say, okay, this week I dare to talk to this person, or I dare to bring forth this idea from this totally different industry. So she did it inside. It was part of her key to success to growing inside of GE. So yes, internally and externally, either way, there's an opportunity to be more bold. Mm. So I love how when you're doing this internally, obviously, you got to fight these preconceptions. So you want to prepare people if you're going to be coming up and let's say you're developing a certain skill, but be clear on what you want to try and then communicate it within your direct rapports and your teammates so that they anticipate that there's going to be some things you're doing differently, different ways that you're going to be behaving to embody this bold skill that you want to bring within yourself. Now, let's go back to looking at it externally. If I'm making a transition out of the company, what are some of the steps that I can take? Because now I'm not within an ecosystem that supports me within the career plan. What are the steps I can take to nurture a new skill or to boldly try something new? Is it to go within the side gig or try to get some other things involved? Like who do I start connecting with? In terms of connecting with people, I would say that's one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of job candidates have. They assume a lot of times that it's really about operating within your trusted network, people that have essentially the same access to opportunities that you most likely have as well. So Adam Grant, Wharton professor, you know, extraordinary leadership expert, he essentially said there's so much room for opportunity if you start connecting with people that are beyond your first degree connections as defined by LinkedIn. The gold, the holy grail of connecting and opening up the opportunities that are indeed bold really lie in like third degree connections, i.e. strangers. Now, 
as a mom to three little boys, you're not going to get me to tell my kids to talk to strangers. However, what I do say to my clients is that that is the key to success. It's about talking to strangers. So how do you get there? I would say back to the earlier point as far as being courageous. And so I like to use bold and courage kind of in the same frame. So thinking about being courageous, it starts with self-belief. Do you feel like you are someone worth talking to? Do you feel like you can add value regardless of where the person might be, the person with whom you'd like to connect in terms of the food chain, right? If we think about it from that perspective. So that's step one. Do you feel like you have left places better off when you've gotten there and added value? Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. The next thing would be, okay, once you've rebuilt, because a lot of times there's a lot of harm that is done in terms of a decade or two decade or three decade long career in corporate, as far as self-confidence and as far as using your voice. So that has to be coached. That's a lot of what I do. A lot of coaching around that, the career trauma, as I call it, right? So once once that is really rebuilt, your confidence is built, you feel more bold, then that's when you can start talking to these third degree contacts, these people that you do not know at all. And it's part of why I even have my own podcast. So on my podcast, what I do is like to keep my ax sharp. So what I do is I reach out to a lot of incredible guests like Susie Batiste, David Meltzer, all these amazing people, Gary V. I don't know them. They don't know me, <laughs> but I do know how to get people's attention, especially when I know that what I'm going to do is spread your message and help you look amazing and share with you my audience. So I know that there's embedded value in communicating with me when you're a job candidate and you feel vulnerable because you're let go or you were laid off, you're unemployed, let's say what's important is for you to do that behind the scenes inner work as far as rebuilding the confidence and then make sure that you understand, okay, even if I'm talking to someone that is two levels above me, let's just imagine I've always added value in those settings. So what do you have to do before reaching out? You have to remind yourself, even if it's a list and having bullets, you know, in this scenario, I provided this recommendation to this person that was, you know, CEO of an organization. We made X number of dollars when they took my advice, right? And you remind yourself, of all those single instances, then you go and you write out that note, or then you go and you listen to the podcast on which 
that decision maker was a guest. And then you add a tailored note in terms of the approach, right? So that's strategy. It's never strategy that really gets in people's way. It is mindset. It is, I mean, it is that superhuman quality that a lot of times we just forget we forget we have, which is knowing that we will add value. We're here to do work. It's not asking for a giveaway. And if you're having a conversation with me, it's bilateral value, right? So you might help me in terms of landing an opportunity, but by the way, I might help you by sharing a different perspective, even if it's as a consumer of the product that you work on. So there's always that understanding that it's two-way, it's not using people, it's adding value. It really, really starts there, making sure that you realize your value, making sure that they understand that you're there to give them value. And by the way, keeping them engaged throughout your process. So it's about letting them see that they were part of your success. There's so much that someone can do to help anyone, to be honest, feel like they were part of their success. And a simple thing you can do is by letting them know where you landed, (laughs) just letting them know, Hey, by the way, you know, this conversation with you really made a difference in the way that I thought about X. And by the way, here's where I work now. And by the way, this is something you might want to consider pertaining to what we talked about. People don't get enough of those follow-ups. They don't get enough of those, well, what happened to that person? And once you become that person who respects and values and contributes and continues to nurture those relationships, it completely changes their impression of you and it gives them more confidence to actually endorse you for other things. And that's when you become incredible. I mean, that's when people poach you and tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, I want what you've got. I love that. And that really embodies what you speak about, having that courage and boldness and making that transition. Would you say it's a common mistake that we feel like we have to go and beg for a job or like we come from a place that we're very needy when it comes to asking for what we want in a career opportunity or a transition versus coming from a place of value? Is this the pivot of where people make that mistake? Is it coming from a place of neediness? I think it's so interesting that you say that word because, I mean, I just remember a conversation I had the other day and that's exactly how she framed it. This is the part that's incredible. This individual is so experienced in her craft and she is just a powerhouse when it comes to bringing the business acumen, bringing the relationship management experience. And even for her, she felt like it would be begging. And so that goes back to self-confidence. And that goes back to that trauma that I speak of. When I talk about career trauma, as I do a lot in terms of my client work, it's really about those moments when you felt disempowered. It's really about those moments in your career where something happened not according to how you wish it would have happened. And it somehow just got into your mind, your conscious, your subconscious, dare I even say, right? So it's something that is continuing 
to bother you. And sometimes you might not realize it. So as an example, there have been several instances where someone was promised one thing, and maybe it was going from a freelance or gig sort of project to getting that full-time job. So someone was promised one thing, and then eventually it wasn't made good. The promise was not made good. So the person just ended up hanging out, waiting years or months, however long, and they just kept being, you know, that freelancer or that part-time person. So that started to inform that particular individual's way of thinking about their talents. I'm not worthy of being hired full-time. I don't belong on this team because, you know, I don't have the fancy degrees as an example. And it just really weighs on you. If left unresolved can fester and can make you feel less than. And so that then informs whether or not you go ahead and as an example on your resume, even talk about that assignment. Like what if you did incredible work on that assignment? And now in the back of your mind, you're saying, well, I didn't get that full-time job. So I must've not done a good job. So let me not even put it on my resume. So that's how you see it right? You see it as like an empty spot on a resume. For example, you see it as someone who has like 20 tabs on their computer with all these job descriptions and not one application to show for it over the course of seven days. That's where all of these hesitations, point of resistance kind of comes into play. So that career trauma, if left unresolved, will influence how big, how bold you decide to be, right? So it's kind of like when someone told you no for the first time, chances are the second time you didn't even ask. So what Mm. happens is for the most part, and I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but the person from whom you hear the most rejection is not someone on the outside. It's yourself. It's yourself. No one else in the world rejects you more than yourself. And that's when you're hesitant to do something or you say no in your mind or you say, you know, that person's not going to reach out to me. So let me not bother. And so just to reinforce How do you overcome career trauma? The overcoming of career trauma, it begins with enormous vulnerability. That's step one. It's about having an honest conversation. It is not a corporate conversation. It is not a, let me tell people what they want to hear and put on a social face and, you know, just kind of play the nice game. It's about getting really, really honest about what you feel. What do you feel when you're sitting down, looking at your computer and seeing those 20 tabs? What do you feel? So first you start there. What do you feel? Is there some sort of unease in your body? Is there something that's kind of holding you back, right? And once you get still in that moment and you start to uncover, okay, I feel this there, then it's a matter of really being still and meditating in that moment. Like really in that moment, take it in and really, really just do yourself that service of silence, presence, and breath. You know, really meditate because chances are you know more than anyone on the outside will know pertaining to that unease. You will know, right? Even subconsciously, you will have a good appreciation for the different moments in your life that really felt similarly. 
So there's people, for example, when it comes to career trauma, there's individuals with whom I've worked that for them, you know, it manifests in just continuing to say, well, I don't know what to say to that person, or I don't know how to apply for this job, or I don't know. And that's how it manifests. And that's what I see. That's what you see. But if you peel back the onion, what you find under all of that is trauma from not being heard, for example, in those big leadership meetings, right? Feeling ignored or even further back, being a little boy and not having your dad really listen to you and just tell you, you know what? Be quiet. Don't talk. Only speak when spoken to. So there's a lot of that that has to be addressed. Some of it is in terms of coaching. Some of it, to be honest, is really seeking professional help in terms of a psychologist. But where I come in is if that Stuff, if that trauma is affecting how bold you wish to play in terms of your career and your life, then that's where I can help because that's the starting point. It's an entry point into the conversation, but it starts with vulnerability and being open to a non-corporate conversation. And I think it's so important because we each have our different faces and masks. I love that you were able to bring this up and I particularly appreciate how you've given a kind of label to let us identify with this corporate trauma that you speak about. It's the first time I hear the term. Now, mind you, I haven't worked in big corporate, so I wasn't maybe exposed to this reality as much, but I'm loving seeing all the people in the chat here are just really feeling that you've hit the nail on the head. And for those who are listening on the podcast, just know that there's a lot of people here who are also feeling this kind of trauma. You are not alone in the process. And I think that gives us a sense of not feeling so alone in the process. And for those who want to make that transition, understanding that this trauma is existing, it is real, and it can be improved, it can be helped. And so being vulnerable with it is a very powerful step for people to take on. And you know, there's so many different aspects to it. So I love that you're encouraging people to seek either coaching or professional help because it's something you can overcome. And from there, will make you more bold in any career transition you make in the future. Melissa, I wanted to close off with very quickly, I know you also talk a lot about people finding their sellable strengths and you have the sellable strengths method as a three-step process that you advocate for. How important is this aspect to be able to find yourself in a bold career transition and to get that job that you're looking for? Sure. So, I mean, the sellable strengths method very quickly, it's all about packaging yourself effectively, positioning yourself in a relevant manner, and then pitching yourself. And so when it comes to packaging yourself, what's really important is that personal brand element, right? And although you work for or have worked for a corporate entity that has its own brand, you stand on your own two feet and COVID and the pandemic has really helped us all think this through, it's important to have your own professional brand. That is something that you own. And by the way, LinkedIn, you own your profile, not your employer. So let's just call it because I think that's important. So packaging yourself in terms of taking back ownership from corporate entities so that you don't have to start unpacking this identity, which I spoke of earlier, right? Like I'm the Google guy or I'm the Facebook girl. No, you're Melissa Larina. No, you're Jason Mark Campbell. Okay. And that is actually enough value 
on its own. So packaging yourself is incredibly important. In terms of positioning yourself, what's really important there is understanding who's your competition. A lot of times what happens is that you position yourself amongst these imaginary humans that have the baseline of what's necessary to land an opportunity. So let's say the job says MBA, you have an MBA, great, check mark, I'm positioning myself. So that means I'm going to talk about my MBA in a job interview. Wrong. You need to understand if anyone made it through that you know, process, the filter process, and is being interviewed, every single person that's sitting next to you virtually also has an MBA. That's not so special. So it's your point of differentiation, right? You are a brand. You have a point of differentiation, what makes you different? What's your secret sauce? And you also have points of parity. What makes you the same? What makes you basically just like everybody else in the room? So you want to understand what points of differentiation are most important and relevant and timely because what was important to a company now or back then, it's going to be different, especially in light of COVID. If you start pitching someone physical, you know, huge events, like you're talking to the wrong person in this moment. So positioning yourself as relevant and timely. And then in terms of pitching yourself, well, I mean, that goes without saying, right? So that's that's sales 101. So you have to pitch yourself. And pitching yourself, by the way, is where you can tell whether someone is courageous and confident because there's a big difference. If someone understands the value they bring to the table and that they matter and that working with them is a value add to someone else, if someone understands that and gets that, you will not hear or see trembling in their voice during the pitch. So that's important. Mm -hmm. All three steps are urgent, really important. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and sharing so much wisdom that I think is perfectly timeful for people to hear this. The message is so powerful. And for people listening, if you're looking to make those bull transitions, we've covered so many things here with Melissa, but quick things that I know I really wanted to bring home was if you're making transitions, it can happen internally or externally. If you're doing it internally, remember, maybe give a heads up. If there's a new skill, a new thing that you're trying to nurture, make sure you communicate with your leadership team or with your colleagues that, hey, this is something you want to try so that you can have supporters in the process and not people thinking, what's going on? If you're going external, know that there are lots of opportunities and goal that happens when it comes to talking to strangers. Melissa spoke about this and I know extensively speaks about this, but it's not in your direct network that you want to reach out. You want to see how can you stretch and go beyond your network. And a big piece that was captured today was about this career trauma, this corporate trauma, these ideas that we've associated our identity with a company. And without that identity, we feel like nothing. Maybe there are things that have happened within the workplace that have made us feel that we're not as relevant or significant as we should be for the types of opportunities we want to go for. Now, this demands unpacking. Melissa also mentioned that it starts with vulnerability and seeking help is a very acceptable form of being able to go through this trauma and heal it. It's a journey that we all go through. I know I've personally had to face this myself as I was making a transition and I had a support group to help me go through this. So I would encourage you to do the same, but the enoughness, we are all enough for every career that we do. We have more experience and more things we've accomplished than we're even aware of and taking a moment to actually log, like she suggested to make a list of all the incredible things you've done through your career can help you build that confidence so you can make those transitions be even more bold. 
her sellable strengths method is a very powerful approach that you can take so you can actually make yourself ready to be able to go out there and make that transition successful. But regardless, I really, really encourage you to go and follow more from Melissa. We have a link in the show notes and you can maybe tell us more, Melissa, on what we can find on your podcast. I know you've prepared so many resources for us. So can you give us a bit of an idea of what we'll find? Oh, such an incredible journey. So in terms of being bold, every single guest that I've invited from Gary V to James Altucher, Susie Batiste, I mean, just think about some of the people that we follow on Instagram. Every single one was an act of personal boldness, to be honest. I will say that, you know, when I first started my podcast and before that, the impetus was to have access to people that I didn't have access to as a little girl. I wasn't surrounded by PhDs and all these like amazing professional baseball player sort of type of people in my life as a little girl growing up in Astoria, New York in a 650 square foot apartment. So I wanted to have an opportunity to create a podcast, an interview with Melissa Larina, where I would bring people who could be your mentors essentially, right? So just think about little mentors in your pocket. So amazing people like Sundance winner, Diane Bell. She wrote her first movie and won an award at Sundance. You know, you have YouTubers like Jacques Slot. He's a sneakerhead. He used to be a teacher. James Altucher. I mean, he's incredible and he has his own podcast show as well. A multimillionaire, someone that's failed lots of times and speaks about it. You know, I have a former New Hampshire House and also Senator Martha Hennessy. I mean, these are amazing people. And then someone that actually, you know, co-founded Giving Tuesdays. So every single person, I've taken a lot of pride in reaching out to them, bringing them and sharing their story from a perspective unlike that which you might see in other places. It's very personal, vulnerable, and featuring their most courageous, creative moments that they've followed their curiosity. So I invite you to definitely listen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for being here. And for everybody tuning in, thank you so much for listening. I hope this is a brand new tool you can bring to your belt so you can continue being superhuman. Thank you so much, everyone. Definitely check me out. I'm happy to help. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast.